This is the Responsible Sports Podcast, presented by Liberty Mutual. Episode number 38, Lee Kemp. Responsible Sports is a program dedicated to supporting coaches and parents who help our children succeed on and off the field. Each episode, our host, Jim Thompson, Executive Director of Positive Coaching Alliance, will be joined by some of the most influential players and coaches to share their thoughts and experiences with responsible coaching and responsible sports parenting. In this episode, Jim Thompson, founder and CEO of Positive Coaching Alliance, talks with one of the greatest wrestlers in the world, Lee Kemp. Every level of wrestling, there can only be one champion at each weight. So what it teaches you, it teaches you to work hard toward a goal, even though there may be a likelihood of failure. Because life, you don't always get what you want out of life, but you can't quit at it. Lee shares the importance of a strong work ethic and great coaches. He also talks about some of his greatest competitors, including Dan Gable, and not being able to go to the 1980 Olympics due to the U.S. team boycott. He eventually made it to the Olympics in 2008 as a coach and shares what that meant to him and his experience. Lee, I want to start off by introducing you to our audience. Lee Kemp is one of the greatest wrestlers in U.S. history. He was favored to win a gold medal at the 1980 Olympics until the U.S. team boycotted those games. He was a three-time gold medalist in the World Championship, a four-time gold medalist in the World Cup of Wrestling, a two-time gold medalist in the Pan American Games, a seven-time national champion, and was named the United States Wrestling Federation Man of the Year in 1978, inducted into the National Wrestling Hall of Fame in 1989. A native of Cleveland, Lee was a two-time Ohio State champion, finishing his junior years and senior years with an undefeated record of 55-0-0 and with 24 pins. At the University of Wisconsin, he won three NCAA titles at 158 pounds and placed second as a true freshman, losing on a split referee's decision in overtime. After his freshman year, Lee did not lose another collegiate bout, posting 108 victories and one draw, against competition that included a win over the legendary Dan Gable. 28 years after the Olympic boycott, Lee made it to the Beijing Olympics as a coach. He is the founder of Forza LLC, the official nutritional corporate partner to USA Wrestling, serves as a commentator for the Big Ten Network, and continues to follow his passion for wrestling by coaching and mentoring wrestlers of all ages and skill levels at camps, clinics, and competitions locally, nationally, and internationally. Lee, thanks for joining the Responsible Sports audience and me today. Oh, you're welcome. I'm happy to be here. You know, we've talked to a few wrestlers in this podcast series now, and one thing they all seem to have in common is work ethic. Can you talk a little bit about your work ethic as a wrestler and how that translated into other parts of your life? Absolutely. Um, you're absolutely right about that in terms of work ethic. Uh, when you meet a wrestler that's gone through the process they all have it. It's not a uh, passive sport or a bystander sport. You're not part of a team, although you are part of a team, but it's all individual effort. So you can't do it passively. You, you know, it's like, um, you know, it's like jumping into a raging rapid stream, you know, and without a life vest, you had better know how to swim pretty well and fight pretty hard. Otherwise you're not going to make it. That's kind of how wrestling is. So when you go through that process of many years, uh, you just come out the other end 
some of us with championships, I was blessed enough to, to have my share of winning. But even if you don't have championships and trophies, you have the experience, and that stays with you for a lifetime. So that's why you have that common story of all these former wrestlers. And, of course, when you get out into the real world, or I shouldn't say the real world because wrestling is the real world too, but when you leave wrestling, you have that with you as a part of you, and it and it allows you to compete at a much higher level than you would have otherwise. You know, we at Positive Coaching Alliance, uh, working with Liberty Mutual and Responsible Sports, a lot of it is is getting kids to to stay in sports longer. You know, if they have a negative experience, a you know a win at all cost coach or whatever. Um, how do we get kids interested in wrestling in the first place? Because you know, the, you know, bouncing a basketball or throwing a football around, hitting a tennis ball, that's, that's kind of fun. Um, and so, but a lot of kids never get the experience of the, the joy, the satisfaction from wrestling. Any thoughts on how, how kids uh, in their first experience with wrestling, um, how, how you can make it a, a, a good experience for them? You know that that's a great question. The only thing, the only way I can answer that is, it's got to come from the coach. It's got to be a great coach in that environment that keeps the athletes motivated. You know, when I started wrestling, as with all of us, it starts something new. Of course, we're not successful at it right away. But as you pointed out, a sport like wrestling is not like you know, you know, hitting a tennis ball or doing something fun. Wrestling is not fun on almost on any level, really. It's just intense it's hard work especially when you're at the beginning when you're not as good you're getting beat up physically so i think a coach has to be skilled enough at finding ways to keep the athlete motivated and keep them challenged but what i will say wrestling's probably not for everyone so part of a part of a coach that's out to have a winning team he has to sort of recruit athletes that has that have that mentality you know that mentality that fighting spirit but I've seen people that, that, you know, aren't really that gifted athletically, but they love wrestling because they love the challenge of it. And the improvements that they see, uh, even though they're not winning, and even though they may not even make the team, they still see the improvements day to day, and they seem to love that. I've been friends with a lot of these people to this day. I mean, I was teammates with some some athletes uh, on the high school level when I was in high school and college, and we're, we're, we remain friends today. And I gained a great deal of my motivation from watching them, how hard they work. They work just as hard as I did, you know. So, um, but the thing that, that a good coach will instill in his athletes is that it's, it's representative of life. Nothing is going to be easy in life. I mean, if you think it is, you're mistaken. You know, tell tell me if I'm wrong here, Lee, but it seems like one advantage of wrestling over some other sports is that it's it's really much, it's more determined by your effort than your than other sports. Like in certain sports, you just have to have some talent. In wrestling, you can it's so much more of its effort. Do you agree with that? I absolutely agree with it because in some sports, your physical attributes could disqualify you immediately, not meaning you can't do it, but, you know, you know, and whenever I say this, someone will bring up Spud Webb or somebody like that. And even with a guy like Spud Webb, it took coaches to support him 
while he was finding his talent. You know what I mean? Uh, he could have been disqualified just early on, but I bet you there were some coaches that guided him, that supported him, that gave him the opportunities to play, that allowed his talent to be displayed. That displayed. But, but other than that, uh, I love wrestling because the fact that you don't have to be, uh, you don't have to have an overabundance in any one attribute, whether it's strength, speed, whatever. I've seen athletes that just who really weren't that coordinated, really really weren't that athletic, but you know what? They got themselves strong by lifting weights. They got themselves in great condition, and they just worked on their mental attitude, you know. And and they and they beat the big, strong, quick guys, you know. And mm-hmm. and I uh, I love the sport for that reason. And I really like the sport because of the weight classes. I especially liked it back when they had the 105.5 pound Olympic weight class, and when when I was competing, they had that weight class, and when I would go to the world tournament and various other competitions, there always would be a field that was in that weight class. I mean, meaning there was a full allotment of entries, maybe not as many as, you know, the higher weights, but, you know, there was 20, 30 wrestlers that always were there at that weight class, and there always were Olympians from other countries at that weight class. So I always liked wrestling because it included everybody. Yeah, you mentioned Dan Gable a minute ago. Um, you know, at Responsible Sports, we talk about an opponent as a gift, that we, we can't be the best we can be unless we have a worthy competitor to push us. Um, you know, and just, uh, you know, your match with, uh, with Gable is, uh, you know, just a classic. Looking back on it, how do you think about Dan now, and what do you think about uh, your match with him, looking back? Well, Dan Gable was probably the single most uh, instrumental person in my international success because I didn't really get a chance to to be coached by him until I made the, made one of my made my first international team in uh, 1978 but that match exemplified everything that that all coaches would want to instill in every athlete uh, Gable was everybody's role model you know I mean he just was and um we always want our athletes to be respectful in victory and defeat, you know, all the stuff, all the textbook stuff. But sometimes that isn't as easily demonstrated when things don't go your way. And you see it with certain coaches and certain athletes. Maybe people even we respect, but the emotions of the moment causes them to maybe react in a different way that may not be as, it may not be the type of thing we want our young people to emulate. I'm saying that to to contrast Dan Gable. When I wrestled him, I saw firsthand how a person at the absolute top of his game reacts when things don't go the way he wanted them to go. He was absolutely professional, absolutely respectful, didn't make any excuses, stood there on the ward stand, held his, held his head high, didn't you know, spoke to the media, and then stayed stayed until the tournament ended now when you when you observe things from lesser athletes maybe even the high school level kids get beat they stomp around they kick chairs they don't get on the award stand they just you know act unruly etc etc here is dan gable who really didn't even need to be at this event he entered it in 1976 probably was pressured by his fan base to to compete again because people loved loved him, they wanted to. You know, we we weren't winning at that level. You know, at at the, at the international level, Gable brought a lot of 
joy to people because people like seeing winners, you know, just like at Penn State now. Look at what Kale has done to that program. He's brought out all the fans. They love going to watch your team win. No different when Gable was a competitor. People wanted to see him win. So he won his gold medal in 72. He retired. So now, 1976, the fan base wanted him to, because he was still relatively young, you know, so they wanted him to win again. And Gable did it, I think, sort of reluctantly. And when I wrestled him, I think that match showed him that he really, it, it just wasn't something that he wanted to go after again because that was his last match that he wrestled. And um, so, but at any rate, I got to observe a guy with total class, a guy that I totally respected. And then later, later uh, uh, he, that year, actually, because Gable was on the coaching staff and I was an alternate on that team, uh, we worked out a lot together. I mean, he, whenever Gable was around, I worked out with him, and he always accommodated that. And so he never held anything back for me. He always tried to help me. We've never talked about the match, not that we even need to, but, I mean, the match wasn't anything. He held any, any grudges, any, any negative feelings, um, and he helped me win my world titles because we worked out a lot together through from 78 all the way through uh, 1984. You know, Lee, th- thank you. That's that's really <laughs> incredible what you just said. Uh, we have two concepts um, w- that we work with athletes and coaches on. One is honoring the game. And, you know, you just described the epitome of honoring the game, what, uh, what Dan Gable did. The other one is, um, you know, we talk about a triple impact competitor who makes himself better, her teammates better, and the game better. And, um, you know, he's he's the person who makes other people better, even though you know, you beat him and now he's, he's coaching you. He's focusing on making you better. I just, um, that's lovely. Thank you. Um, speaking of that, I mean, I was, that is a great run, run into what I wanted to ask you next because, um, you worked really, really hard to get ready for the 1980 Olympics and then didn't get a chance to compete. Um, how, how do you deal with that kind of, uh, you know, let's just say unfairness, when you've worked so hard at something? You know, it's it's difficult. I still it still bothers me. But now that I'm older, you know, I'm fifty almost fifty six. In life you don't oh you don't get what you want. You get what you get, you know. I mean it's <laughs> like a it's a, kind of like a play on words, but it's true. I mean, it doesn't matter. I've just read a post or just read an article recently, or at least I saw Chuck uh um uh, little uh, ninety second a motivational speech. It's amazing. You know, he's been diagnosed with leukemia and he's battling that and all that. But in life, you get what you get. So now, what do you do when you get what you get? Then you've got to figure out what to do from there. So, you know, I, I guess I just, I just have to say that, you know, life's going to deal out some other stuff too. Like with like similarly to what Chuck's having to deal with now, and all of us can point to other people and even ourselves fighting through things. This is just one of the things that, that I'm having to fight through, you know. And uh, so for me, it was the competition was was everything. I knew there was no financial reward or financial gain from it. It was just personal. It was all personal. It wasn't like an athlete uh, getting, you know losing his opportunity to make millions, you know, it wasn't that. It was just a personal, uh, it was personal. I, I, I wanted to be the best in the world, and I wanted to, I 
wanted to prove it at the Olympic Games. And I give an example to people that ask that question. It would be similar to working, you know, through medical school, you know, four years undergrad, four years medical school, get to the final stretch, the final month, and then they cancel the they cancel the program or something at your university. And then we and then the games were literally boycotted. It was like unbelievable to me how that none of the performance. The winter games had that been in Moscow, we wouldn't have had the Miracle on Ice, that great victory, we wouldn't have had Eric Hyden's unprecedented uh, winning every race in speed skating, you know, and all the other great performances that occurred there. And think of the great performances we missed from the summer games, not just my own, because I was confident I could do well there. Uh, we had we had a great team, wrestling team. We had other great... That was uh, Carl Lewis's first Olympic team, Greg Luganis's first Olympic team. Of course, they went on to make any other Olympic teams and they got their gold medals. What, what, what about when you made the Olympics as a coach in 2008? How did that, how, what did that mean to you? It meant everything. You know, it was an opportunity to help athletes, uh, uh, at least, you know, part of my role, I thought, uh, and this is kind of a, a whole other subject, but I was the oldest coach there except for Dave Bennett was older than me. Dave was there as part of the coaching staff, but, you know, so, I still like getting on the mat, working out with guys. I'm sure these guys see me as this old guy. What's this old guy wanting to work out with me for, you know, because I'm, I'm 55. But, um, you know, it, it, it was an opportunity for me to be there as a guy who's done it before. And there's a, comp- there's a higher comfort level with having people or being surrounded by people that, that have actually done it, you know. Not that every coach has got to do that or has, you know, not, not that that's a requirement to be a coach, but... I thought that was one of my key roles there was for these athletes to look at me and know that, yeah, Lee Kemp has been there. I'm comfortable with him being around. I'm totally comfortable with him being in my corner because he's been there. He knows he'll be, he'll be looking out for things that I need to be looking out for. And, uh, and I just wanted to develop that relationship with the guys, with the athletes and have them feel comfortable with me being around because I hope, I hopefully will be around. I hopefully I'll be around, uh, in in the Olympic Games in Rio as part of the coaching staff. You know, um, I have a friend who was um, a chaplain at the Salt Lake City Olympics, and she came back talking about just the intense level of pressure Olympic athletes feel, especially if there's expectations for them. Um, can, you, can you talk about that as a coach? Um, is part of your job to to help them relax a little bit, to, to, to not become, uh, you know, paralyzed by the expectations? You know, it is, but each athlete's different, and that's, uh, I'll go back to Gable again a little bit, too. He was phenomenal in his ability to understand his athletes and to coach them accordingly, and I think it absolutely is the role of a coach to know the athletes so well that they know what it takes to get them to to relax, to um, you know, to get you know, to, you know, to know when to get motivated, to know when to just just basically know when to get ready, you know. And I can I can remember Gable did a great job of that with me, you know. Um, when he came to get me, I knew that it was, you know that I had to be ready. There's a lot of unspoken things that go on too when you when you have a great coach. They know. 
They know uh, they know what makes you tick. You know, it's a great uh, responsibility, I think, for a coach to have that relationship with his or her athletes because uh, a lot of times it's a once in a it's just it's just a once in a lifetime thing to be ready at the right time to be able to perform and uh, a coach will help get you there will help get you there yeah so you you work with a coach and mentor a lot of athletes um wide variety um how, how do you how is it different when you're working with a a youth wrestler compared to you know olympic team wrestler that's a great question um the youth athlete uh, because they're young, they have just so much further to, to go, and a lot of times they may they may be very successful at their age group, whether it's 12, 13, 14, whatever. But that's a whole different ball game when they're in high school, 16, 17, 18, and then college, and then trying to make an Olympic team. It's just like even uh, watching some of our. Uh, national college champions from the 2011 uh, um, NCAA tournament when they, uh, or excuse me, to, uh, last year or this uh, this year, 2012, when they when they won their national title and then they went into the Olympic trials tournament, they didn't do as well, and you know they 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 saw firsthand what it was going to take to get to that next level, and it. Can, can be discouraging for some athletes. But, but back to the original question, so when you have an athlete that's really young, I think one of the biggest roles of a coach is to keep that athlete motivated and interested and to keep the pressure off. Because in my opinion, being a, you know, a national champ at age 12 or 10 or 9 or 8 is not as significant. You know, it's true it's, true it's a great goal, great accomplishment, but in the whole scheme of things, and trying to be a state champ, trying to be a national champ, trying to be an Olympic champ, it's not it's not as big a deal, really. So, if if the young athlete is focusing too much on that, uh, the fact that they were a national, you know, schoolboy or kids champion, and then they get that first big loss in high school and realize that there are a lot of people out there that are better than them now. I've seen that be a, a deterrent to some athletes continuing because they just can't they can't understand why they're not winning now because they won so easily. Sometimes at the youth level, to win at that level, all it takes is a kid that can handle uh, the pressure and a kid who can work hard, maybe a kid who's physically more mature than everybody else, maybe a parent parental structure that puts them in, in these tournaments and in the, in the environment, maybe some good coaching, but it all equals out when you get to the, you know, maybe a great high school. And then when you get recruited to a, a D one college, and it certainly equals out when you are trying to make an Olympic team. So, um, it, it's, to me, it's, it's, it, it should be some fun involved in it at the youth level. And it should be, you know, with a good dose of fun to it. And it should be, uh, uh, not as much pressure. I mean, you want to teach winning, but uh, know that there's a lot more development to take place. Lee, I've got a couple more questions for you. We're almost done here. Thank you. This is this is really fantastic. Um, talk about some of the coaches you had 
as you were coming through the whole process, starting wrestling and <clears throat> all the way through, were there some uh, some uh, a coach or two who really had a uh, a profound effect on you? And what were some of the life lessons you learned from that coach or those coaches? Uh, my first coach was um, uh, Richard Deppenbrock. He was my high school coach, and um, he was the first guy that actually you know, believed in me. You know, I only started wrestling in ninth grade, but he, you know, he saw the glasses uh, half full rather than half empty. I guess he just immediately saw me as an athletic guy who he he seemed to relish the opportunity to try to mold me into something. And so he treated me like I was, you know, a piece of uh, valuable, you know, gold or something, you know, I'm, I'm going to mold this guy into something, you know, and he, he treated me that way. Wow. So, um, and we're friends to this day. We, we get along, we talk on a, on a fairly, you know, maybe three, four times a year, maybe something like that. But, um, I, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know where I would have been without someone taking that kind of special interest in me, really. And that's why I think that the value of a coach is so huge. You know, he, uh, you know, you spend more time with your coach than you do your own parents. Yep. You know, he got to know my, got to know my folks really well, and uh, helped me pick a college. You know, I mean, I can be consulted on those type of issues, and uh, and then. I would say the next coach was probably my college coach who recruited me, uh, Dwayne Clubin, and uh, his assistant, Russ Hollickson, who was a great athlete, you know, Olympic silver medalist and world several-time world medalist and just a just an outstanding athlete with an injury keeping him from probably, you know, at least competing for a spot on the Olympic team in 1972. Uh Ben Peterson made the team and won the gold, and Russ had been beating Ben up until that point. So, mm. so that's a frustrating. You know, when you think about it, everybody goes through some circumstances. You know, um, but um, but Dwayne was wasn't the for, you know he he wasn't the athlete like Russ was certainly or Gable, but he was a guy who again uh, understood how to develop talent. You know, he put me in in the environment where I could succeed. Yep. And he treated me like a thoroughbred, you know, tre- treated me like I was a good athlete. Uh, made me feel uh, special and important and uh, encouraged me to compete when I didn't want to compete sometimes, you know, encouraged me to to go for the Olympic team. When when our country was going to boycott, it was Dwayne Clevin that encouraged me to at least make the team. He said, Lee, you should, you should go out, you should qualify, you should make the team. Because he said, one day it will be... He said, one day it'll probably be important to you that you went ahead and you made the Olympic team in 1980. And and we went through the trials, even though we all knew we weren't going to the game. So going to the trials was really difficult to compete and to, to go through that process to make the team. And I, I just flat out wasn't going to do it. It didn't mean anything to me to make the team. It meant nothing to me, really, when I knew we weren't going to get to compete. But Dwayne encouraged me to do it. So the, those are the kind of things that a good coach will do, and he, he was absolutely right. It ended up because I did I didn't make the '84 team, so had had I not done that, I would not be an Olympian today. So, uh, and now as an older person with a family, you know, I go to the Olympic Games, I get to go to the Olympic House, I get to flash my Olympian badge. You know, it's just all the stuff that every Olympian gets because he's an Olympian. I'm in that club now. 
can you talk about, just think about the benefits. Our country is crazy about the big three, basketball, football, baseball. Um, what about the benefits of sports like wrestling? Um, you know, shouldn't more kids be, be thinking about these, these other sports that are so fantastic, they just don't get the publicity? And uh, Anyway, I just, I just love your thoughts on that. You know, I absolutely agree with that. I, I, um, like you, I was, you know, I, I played basketball and or early on, I wasn't that good at it, but, um, I, I went out for basketball my freshman year. I went to two basketball practices and was discouraged. And my friends encouraged me to go out for wrestling. You know, long story short, I ended up, ended up wrestling. You know, I ended up going to, I was leaving basketball practice, the second practice and walked by the wrestling room. And then they, they were still working out. So I walked in the room and knew some of the guys in there. Then the third day, I was at this quandary. didn't know what to do. You know, I had fun the day before at, at the wrestling practice. And so uh, I, my coach went, came to me and told me I had to choose two, so I ended up choosing wrestling. So it was a great choice that I was able to make that. But um, wrestling, uh, when I think of it, I think of Gable's comment where he says America needs wrestling. He has a, a vision that the work ethic that built America comes from sports, you know, you know, like wrestling. Not that wrestling is the only sport, but just the the work ethic ethic that it entails. And we we're developing, you know, young men and women now that go through this voluntarily. You know, they voluntarily do this to themselves. So uh, uh, it is truly a fraternity that um, that is unparalleled, really. And um, most that's... other athletes talk about how hard wrestling is. If you look at even the top athletes, like like uh, even Stephen Neal, that had a great career for the for playing football. Obviously, you know he's a, he rose to the highest levels in wrestling. You know he was a national champ. He was a world champion in wrestling, and uh, you know rose to the highest levels of professional football, playing a very difficult position. And if you interviewed him, he would tell you that wrestling is the toughest thing he's ever done. And the most people will tell you that, that have had the opportunity to do wrestling. So it, 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 it prepares people for great accomplishments <clears throat> later on in their life. Lee, that's fabulous. Um, you know, it is, it is uh, clearly, it is one of, if not the most difficult sport, and yet it can be so rewarding and, and you know, your passion for, for wrestling comes through. And I, I really want to thank you for taking the time today, to, not just to, to talk to me, but to share these great thoughts with, they're going to be coaches and parents, sports parents, uh, lots and lots of people who are going to listen to this podcast. And the insights you shared today will help uh, a lot of athletes. Um, so I really want to thank you uh, so much. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Absolutely. To learn more about responsible sports, including downloading valuable tools on a mastery approach to youth sports that includes creating a commitment to learning, visit responsiblesports.com. You'll find helpful responsible sport parenting and responsible coaching guides, downloadable tools and worksheets, and advice from leading youth sports experts. Music for this podcast has been generously provided by APM Music.